Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Bible study. This is the last study on the intro to the King James. We've been studying how the school of Alexandria, where the body of uh, the first Antichrist was buried there, Alexander the Great, and the Pergamos were twin sisters, twin brothers, twin ugly promoters of the satanic philosophies. Um, you have the bones of the, the major Antichrist figure, uh, and then you have the, the Satan seat, his throne, which is now in Germany. All of that is explored, and all of that is in this origin school that's on a rampage today. Um, one of the reasons for studying prophecy the way we do is that uh, when, the, when the young man got, got on our Sunday call in, he said, it doesn't matter, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, what's the dip? See, that comes from the origin, origin school. And the reason is, and what's the difference in the ram and the he-goat and the battle of Armageddon? Well, it's a big difference. The ram and the he-goat introduces the Antichrist. So when I start calling the ram and the he-goat, Armageddon, see, I'm mi missing, mixing up Christ there. Jesus Christ returns at the Battle of Armageddon, not at the ram and the he-goat. And there are two different timings in prophecy. So that's more of the fruit of these two libraries who are busy trying to deceive Christians so that they don't know the difference, so that they will accept this new age Christ, all right? So um, this is the tale of the two libraries. It's the fruit of those libraries. Uh, we went into the, uh, had the uh, doctrine exposed last week by the midget, and he said something very interesting, and that was that, uh, it's tied right into the space program. Well, what do I mean by that? The uh, Rosicrucian there that he mentioned had the school, uh, he had the philosophy of Hermes that he was writing about. But he also introduced the round earth model there in 1575, Galileo. He was from this same school. He was a Rosicrucian and he had the doctrine of Hermes. And that's the one that they tried to give credit to for the round earth model and saying the Pope locked him up and all that, all that's wrong. He did not create that. That round earth model is thousands of years old, like the doctrine of atoms is thousands of years old. So this, this war we're in and this attack on the King James that has come out in our generation after the 70s, it started, the burner started to be turned up against the King James. And you ask yourself, why? Why are these people so against the real doctrine? Well, the reason is, and uh, by reading this intro, it has really drummed that home to me, that what we are really up against. So the, the deception of the round earth model, the uh, worship of science, the uh, worship of objects instead of the word. We have word-based salvation. That's how, why the home Bible study has Jesus Christ, two or more of you together. Jesus Christ is there. 
walking in the midst of you. But he ain't in that statue. He's not in those stones over there like Masons believe and other cult groups. He's not over there at the Wayland Wall. He's not inside some obelisk. We have word-based salvation. And this origin school has pushed Christianity away from that. To where we had to have a temple. We have to have an obelisk. It, uh, all that. So this is 11 of 11 pages. And there's a lot in here. Some of it is a little touching. So here we go. I got my notes here, and we're going to read the last page of this before we go to the book of Acts. And when we start in Acts, if you want to turn to uh, chapter 12, that's where we're going to start reading. But in the 11th page, 11 of 11, it's to the gentle reader, it says. Uh, this is finishing up the side notes argument where they said, no side notes are allowed. We'll tell the reader what they need to know. And the uh, people from the King James said, no, as long as those notes are within the real meaning, they're okay to help the reader along. And so here they say to the gentle reader, we have not tied ourselves to uh, phrasing that would mislead anybody. Uh, we have a, uh, 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 there's a uniformity of our phrasing that is tied to the word, not something to mislead people. Uh, we use words that are easily identifiable, they say. Um, and they've been pushed here. Some would have them do differently and they just said, we will, we will not do differently. Uh, they did not want to vary from what has been translated before, they say. They're very careful not to do that. And they consider that their duty, not only through the king, but through God Almighty. Okay, uh, they want the same notion in the same particular word they're talking about as they translate. And uh, in their examples, they give some examples that they never do. They uh, never call purpose intention. They never call journey traveling. They never take the word think and put in suppose. And when the word is pain, they never put ache. These are their examples. Joy is never translated gladness. And uh, see, and, and if they did that, that would give the atheists room to be scornful. Instead, they are there to profit the godly reader. This is their the gist of what they're talking about. Uh, it's to keep the uh, reader not under bondage like the ungodly people do who said no they don't need to know the word we'll give them the meaning of the word we're we're the godly people and they are the vulgar people and the vulgar which means plain simple folk aren't fit 
to know this on their own through Sinos. Okay, and they're saying that the, the King James people, the 47 translators are saying uh, they're free from the uh, critical atheist scoffers. They, they, they believe that the doctrine will stand up on its own against these scoundrels, and they are right about that. It will. If read and allowed not to, for me and you to uh, add anything to it, the scriptures will explain themselves. We don't need an interpreter of prophecies because the prophecies are explained. They're actually comparing these philosophers from origin school of thought, they're equal to idolaters. <laughs> they're getting a, a little more aggressive with their terminology because these people are idolaters and worse. That's that's really light compared to what uh, we know about these people. And they're uh, telling you, we were had our carefulness of every word. And not only that, but names also. Now, if you look at what the rabbis are saying today for their Messiah, can anybody pronounce what they call the Messiah? And they try to say that's the real name of God. And it's not. It just means Messiah of any type of Messiah. Anyway, that's what the rabbis do. And they're explaining and they're attacking Paul. And they're attacking the uh, scriptures because their Messiah is here, they're claiming. And that's not just one ribby, one Pharisee. It's the same thing. It's their seed. They're bragging about their Mashiach, which is pronounced Mashiach. He's here. And people are saying, all right, well, where's he at? <laughs> so when they go to explain that, they use the big word philosophy long paragraphs to say nothing that's what they're using that's the rabbis uh manis friedman says he's here yes and he's not going to ask you to fall into line according to manis friedman the most popular uh rabbi on youtube he says mashiach is going to force you or else you will fall in line you Drunken going. That's what he says. Okay, and uh, so they, they're talking about using the proper name. So we know it's Jesus Christ. All right. I mean, it's okay to say Yahshua. I say Yahshua. Go back to the Joshua. Yahshua. That's okay to go back into that Hebrew. It's beautiful. But we have his name here. And it was properly translated here. And they're telling us that right here. Names also, it said. And they they don't give any credence to anything but God himself for words. They were going from English out of Hebrew and out of Greek. That's the Koranic Greek. And now they switch. Boom. And they avoid the traps of what was called the Puritans. If you remember the this uh, battle that we've been in, one of the connections to the origin school of philosophy is these Puritans. Uh, and they would switch these words all around and they give examples of what the Puritan translations did. They put 
washing instead of baptism, congregation instead of church, and then they avoid words. Now, this is from the translators. Now, get these words, and you guys tell me what all these words mean. It says, uh, azimes. That's A-Z-I-M-E-S. What is that? See, that's put in there so you won't know what it means. And then tunics. Okay, and that's, what is that, a headdress? The tunic? Okay. Uh, here's a term they used in the, uh, <laughs> it's a gown. Okay, well, well, they avoided that. All right. They avoided this term. It's a rational holocaust. That's in, in their Bible, in their translation? It sure is. Now, why would you have that? Okay, here's one for you. Prapus. Prapus. P-R-A-P-U-C-E. And then another one here. Uh, Paschi. P-A-S-C-H-E. That comes out of the Puritan translations from origin. Uh, and they said it's full of words just like that to keep people from understanding. That's a simple put right here, right here in the intro. We, according to them, we desire the scripture to speak like itself. That's a quote. We desire the scriptures to speak like themselves. Okay, and that's exactly right. The scripture will identify words for us on who they are. Then they go into a little, uh, it's kind of cute here. It says, many other warnings might we give the gentle reader if we had not exceeded the measure of a preference already. In other words, <laughs> this is an intro to the Bible. We're already past where the amount we should have. So we're not, we're going to stop there. But then they turn around and when they say, looks in here. We're commending you, reader, to God. We're commending you to the spirit of grace. And to go on and build further on top of these scriptures than anything we could ask or even think. And then they talk about it. They said, this, these scriptures, it's really heartwarming. It says they're <laughs> removing the seals from our eyes. He says it's scales. I have here written seals. Scales from our eyes. Then in B, it says veil from our hearts. Opening our wits, that's W-I-T-S, to understand his word. Enlarging our hearts. Directing affections, loving the word of God more than silver and gold, that we may love it to the end. Then they give this wonderful parable of living waters. And they want you to enter into others' labors like they did. They did their part. They want us to build on their part. 
And then they have the parable and they go back into the Bible and said, be not like these people. And these were the monsters where uh, God cast the demons, the legion out of the, the one or two people there in the graveyard. Uh, and the Gergesites said, get out of here. We don't want you here. Could you leave? Don't be like this. And then they used a parable about Esau and his turning his back against God Almighty. And they give other parabolic warnings about that. Uh, then they, they quote these two guys, uh, St. Augustine and Christo Talmi. That's two people that they seem to really like. And uh, one is, is teaching you to fear God and instructs you to read God's word that's set before us. And when Christ calls, to answer him. And know the Lord and to serve him. And to all the way to the second coming, it says the appearing of Jesus. And the praise of the Holy Ghost there. And that's where it goes off, 11 of 11. So uh, when I first saw this, I knew that they had spread the gospel around outside the, what people would think. Uh, everyone was under this assumption that these steeple people did this. They brag about doing it. They say that Peter was the first pope and all this others. All that was garbage. This gospel was spread. And when I tell people that, it doesn't go along with the uh, modern version. And I just wonder why, why won't they accept the fact that this was spread around the firmament of the earth? That's how we got the 5,000 Bibles at the Great Gathering that had been scribed. And they all matched there in 1600. A miracle from God. A miracle from God. Your King James, my King James. Our gift from God Almighty. Now, uh, folks, if, I know that you turn to Acts chapter 12. And here's what I want to say. This shows you the, uh, the ignorance of people at this time. When, and this is all during the time of Christ, shortly after the time of Christ. What was the mindset of the world, the worldly people? Well, listen to them here in 20 with a new paragraph, Mark. This is chapter 13. This is verse 20. And here we have this heroid bloodline. Yes, 1220. Heroid to hell is this little piece here. Um, this is their mindset. And listen to how stupid they are. But also look at the power of God and how he hears every word. Now, this heroid bloodline is one of the, they wanted to kill all the male, male children, jealous of Christ, remember? And this is their offspring. Okay, so here we go. In 12, verse 20. And heroid 
was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Zidon. See, that's the other cult empires. Remember Tyre, because we're going to get back to Tyre before this is over. Tyre and Zidon, but they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus, the kings of Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, now here's your stupid people. It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. So that's the power of God. That's the ignorance of people. Those are all those people that are against Paul. And they come from this same school, the Libertines, they're called back in this day. And they are Alexandrians. Uh, and they are on the wrong side of the fence. And once again, I ask you, are they going to give you the real Bible? And the answer is no. These are the same people that was going to replace the book of Revelations with all these occult doctrines. The Gospel of Barnabas. The Gospel of Thomas. The uh, uh, Hermes, Shepherd of Hermes, was going to replace Revelation. Okay? And they've never gave up on their occultic destroy it from within process. But here in 13, uh, we're going to have another sorcerer here. As we're looking at, while all this was coming together and... Uh, the gospel had been spread, and it was being spread here, obviously. It was being sent. It was being scribed. And the people against it were out there. That's why they stoned Stephen. And where did they come from? They came from Alexandria. And they are responsible for murdering Christ. And they are responsible for stoning Stephen. Now, we talk about that Hermes. That, that's in the Talmud also. How about that? The Jewish Talmud? No. Babylonian Talmud. It goes way back there. And uh, when it comes to the, uh, the added, there's 63 books altogether of the Babylonian Talmud. It's pure Antichrist. I mean, in a simple term, it's Antichrist. And then you go to the Jewish Talmud, and that's where all the names say it. Over Paul, over Christ, the blasphemies go on right there in the Jewish Talmud. They hate Paul, and they hate Christ. And here we have a sorcerer here, because this is how big sorcery was. I'm going to chapter 13, and I'm going to start with 6. And when they had gone through the aisle unto Paph Bos, they, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, 
whose name was Bar Esus Seven, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul, that's Barnabas and Saul, and desired to hear the word of God. But, here's another sorcerer, but Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation. Okay, this is, they all have a new name they give to each other. So they play with names. That's part of their occult doctrine. Uh, his name was interpreted, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So here they are arguing back. And this all comes from this Alexandria school. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? 11. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Okay. In 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believing, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Okay. All right, with that, you see, the people there trying to stop it. And this goes to the Alexandrian school because it was full of these sorcerers. I mean, it does, if we go to just what is told us even to this day they have the other doctrine folks as we're turning here to chapter 14 they have the other doctrine when it comes to hermeneutics this is worship of lucifer let's, let's cut through the the chase here this is the doctrine of lucifer this is what they have there. And, uh, th or they wouldn't be twin sisters with Pergamos, right? Where Satan's seed is. And we can go right into the archeology span and their own history, which they're not denying. You can get out an encyclopedia and read about it. They have every other religion, all, all um, of the Osirian cycle religions there. And so here they are arguing back and trying to stop this deputy from becoming a believer. And what is he? He's a sorcerer. Okay, so uh, here, this is funny because right away when Paul does the miracle through the Holy Ghost, they want to call him a god. Here, this is how stupid the people are, how that spirit of looking for a man. See, 
that's training people that they must have an emperor. They must have a man to look for or some leader. It could be a sorceress. It could be a Jezebel. It doesn't matter. It's called the spirit of a man. It's the spirit of Belle Isle. And so your, your, your temples out here, the, the fake Christian temples, and I mean all of them, you have a reverend, right? Do you know that term is never here in the Bible? Do you see anybody being called a reverend? Where did that term come from? It came out of the occult. And rightly so. It should. Because the fact that we're, we're taught to not put our faith in a man or a woman, we are to uh, have word-based salvation. But that's not what we have here. Now, <laughs> listen to 14, and I'm going to go to verse 7 through 18 here. It says, and there they preached the gospel. In a new paragraph in 8, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, this is Paul talking, stand upright on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lift up their voices, saying in the speech of Lassonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. See, that's exactly what the Alexandria philosophy believes. They believe in these fallen angels. They believe that Hermon, Mount Hermon, there were Og, the great giant ruled, Bashan, that that's the porthole of the gods. And here, because of this healing, they don't know who to give the uh, reverence to. They want to give it to Paul. And they're calling him a god over this. So what do they do? They, they say that gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Now, that goes to your astrology. That's uh, Jupiter and Mercury. Those are the heavenly. And that's why I'm telling you this uh, religion is live and well. well and, and that we're headed to this eclipse. And... Uh, we have something from the table. Come on. We have a table person here. We're headed to this eclipse, and it's the same religion. just wanted to interject that Jupiter is Zeus. Mercury is Hermes. So there you go with the same philosophy. It's no different. You can use different names. You can wear different masks. But that spirit of the devil is behind all of that. Okay. So we always appreciate extra food for thought, okay? And on we go here uh, as we see what they were trying to do to Paul in there. Okay? And it, it, 
because he was the chief speaker in 12 and 13. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye, why do ye these things? Question mark. We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. That was the idolatry that was across the firmament of the earth. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, okay? With the blessings of God here. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So you see, they won't even listen. This religion, it doesn't start and stop there with the Ptolemy school and the Pergamos. No, it goes clear back pre-flood. But these are two big, strong arms, these two twin brothers here, of proceeding to teach people the occult. And you see how it is beat into them here. They they want, these people are God, and they're not going to listen. So when it comes to getting people out of the occult to this day, you got to deprogram them. Everybody, not going to be easy. When they've had been doing it all their life, we're going to chapter 16 here. They've been doing it their whole life. They have to be deprogrammed. And that includes Christian cult groups that are following this. Why does the young man insist? on his Antichrist Bible that came from these same people. It came from origin. The same people that were going to replace the whole book of Revelation and James now, don't forget replacing James, and put in Gnostic Gospels in their place, like the Shepherd of Hermes. Folks, you don't have to see anything else. Now I go to the people that are sticking up for these Bible verses. And you start digging out at them. And they're theologians and they're big shots and they have credentials. You start digging a little bit and you find out they have another crown where people can't be found. That's 90% of them. And the other 10% are willful brainwashed dupes. But then the higher up that pyramid you go in the fake Christian community, the more you'll see that these secret society members like the Rosicrucians, are throughout Christianity. And they're in the high places of Christianity. So when you say, I'm going to hang on to my NIV no matter how 
terrible it is, no matter uh, removing the name of Lucifer and all the other, all the other horrifying blasphemies that it does, you realize that you're cursed for that Bible. You're cursed. You're not going to get it. You're not going to understand. You can't go removing book words. Remove the whole book of Revelations, let alone a word. <laughs> and it says anybody that adds anything to this is cursed and going to hell. And anybody that takes a word away is going to hell. So we'll just take the whole book out. Why would they do that? Because they don't believe. The whole Philo school there believes in their doctrine of Lucifer. And they're against Christ. They call the New Jerusalem, which they are observing in heaven, an asteroid that's going to destroy the earth. They call Christ a space alien that's coming to destroy the earth, so we got to be ready to kill him. I mean, look at uh, War of the Worlds. That's an old film. <laughs> it's an old film. What's that, what's that training us to do? That's training us to take our poor, brainwashed military people and get them to try to overthrow Christ. They, are, they don't want him landing on that Mount of Olives. No. They're going to come charging in there, demonically charged. All right. But here in, in chapter uh, 16, we have a good example of familiar spirit. When I say that they believe in these gods coming down and actually getting inside of people, and that's what the Kabbalah teaches. We can have rituals of different types, open portholes, develop a relationship with this fallen angel, and he will give us gifts, and we will give this deity gifts and the spilling of innocent blood. So I'm going to start in 16, I'm going to start in verse 16 about this lady that a description of what's going around. Now, keep in mind, this is right in the middle of all the heat over the Bible translation. This is in the heat in the middle of all the apostles sending out their scribed Bibles over the firmament of the earth. And these or origin, Alexandrian. Philippian monsters trying to stop it with all might, not only with words, but with violence. We're just, we're, the book of Acts, written by Luke. Now, Luke, the great physician, followed Paul around, was with Paul on his, and, and wrote this history that we got. And he was not some, uh, notice people, you don't see them attacking Luke because he had the ring of Caesar. It was no small thing to have the ring of Caesar. He could stamp something and it was law. <laughs> See? And he was here following Paul. And he's the one that put this book of Acts together for us. So here we are, 16, chapter 16. And we're going to start with a new paragraph mark in 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. See there? 
how it's tied into the money. The same followed Paul and us. Now, see, that's in the first person. Why does it say us? Because that's the author and that's Luke there. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew us the way of salvation. So there. Actually, this lady's possessed, and she can even see that. How much worse is the atheist out here that believes in Darwin, the theologian, and is absolutely dumb, stupid Darwinian theory. <laughs> you're an atheist. What you see is what you get. When you're dead, you're dead, right? No one knows. Okay. Anyway, she can actually recognize the uh, spirit of God in them, like the demons all did. There's a part here in Acts where uh, these uh, sorcerers try to use the name of Paul and Jesus to do an exorcism, and they ended up all beat up and butt naked running. They said, Paul we know, and Jesus we know. Who are you? And they just lit these two guys up. That's in here, too. I can, We can go on all, all week with these things. All right. He brought a much game with her soothsaying. In other words, she's tapping into the familiar spirit. It's telling her what's down the road. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, capital G, which sheweth us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. New paragraph again. And when her masters, capital M, saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers <laughs> and brought them to the magistrates, capital M, saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans, capital R. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. They cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Okay, I'll stop there. But Paul and Silas, they start singing praises to God that they're worthy to suffer for the word of God. How do you like that? All right. Now, when it comes to this throne of Satan that's here on earth, because uh, during the temptation process, Ezekiel 28, by the way, when it comes to this uh, throne, that even when he had Christ sitting on the obelisk there in front of the temple, Satan said, this world 
I can give it to whoever I want. It's given to me to rule this world. So he has a throne here. The same one's in Germany now, in Berlin. And it was there in uh, Pergamos. It was there. Uh, do we not have one there? Did we not just tear the whole shrine apart? And then haul it off to Berlin prior to World War One. Then we're taught that uh, there was a, a, a throne there in Pergamos where God's martyr, Antipas, right, was slain right there. So we go into the archaeology of all that there, and we've, we've been through it. We've been through it, and we, uh, we talk about the throne. Well, here we're going to talk about it again. In chapter 28. Now, in 27, we have been uh, talking about all their merchants. Yeah. All their merchants and how they made the world rich. Zidon is the port that went upstream and through Babylon. And the whole Middle East was nourished with all their goods. And it goes through that. It ties it all into Bashan and all the occult societies, literally across the firmament of the earth. Okay? So that being said, that being said, here this throne is appearing again. Now there's going to be two characters here. There's going to be a prince. And that's a man that's possessed. And the other is a king. And that is Satan. So once again, we have an Antichrist figure who's in bed with Satan. Satan is sitting on his seat here. Let's let the, just hear what it says here. It'll go right into it. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus. Notice that's the prince. Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. Yet. Thou art a man and not God, though thou set thy heart as the heart of God. See, he's an antichrist. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. Now, how does he get that power? He does that through the power of Lucifer. The dem demonic entities are the ones empowering him. For it says, with thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten the riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasuries. By thy wisdom and by thy traffic, thou 
hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee. The terrible of the nations. Now, who is that? That is Nebuchadnezzar, correct. The table lady knows her beans and potatoes. That is Nebuchadnezzar. And they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. Notice the brightness. Lucifer is what? The light giver, the dark light giver. They shall bring thee down to the pit. Hey, that sounds like Isaiah 14, don't it? And thou shalt die the deaths, plural. Notice that. That's the first death and the second death. The, the uh, white throne judgment he's talking about. Of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Will thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am a God? Question mark. But thou shalt be a man and no God in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die in the deaths, plural, of the uncircumcised by the hand of the strangers. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. In 11, it says, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, all right, now here we go to the king. Now listen to this. This is where it really gets interesting, folks. Here we have an Antichrist figure, the prince. Here is the king. Who is the king? Well, folks, it's the devil. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. What does that mean? Thou sealest up the sum. Some. Well, you got to know your occult numerology. Their number of finality is six, six, six. Seven is their number of new beginnings. Their number of sealing up the sum is six, six, six. So what he just gave you there is that. Uh, you seal up that nut some. <laughs> That's number 18 right there. That's what it means, huh? Now a 12 is two sixes. That's right. It's in sixes. Okay. It says here in 13. Now listen to this. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, and the diamond, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the safer, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Did you just get that mouthful? The king of Tyre wasn't created like this, was he? No, he's a man. Here, we're talking about the cherub that was kicked out of heaven. Notice here, there is the anointed cherub. Well, who's that? That's Lucifer, folks. Listen to this as it goes on. If that ain't enough for you, listen to this. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. 
That's covering the throne of God, folks. That's Satan. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. There's your firmaments. There's stones in heaven. There's stones in hell. He's up and down, back and forth. Fifteen, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. That's Lucifer. He's the light giver. He's the sun god. He's Baal. Oh, lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. See, this goes all the way to judgment day on Satan, on Lucifer. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be anymore. How about that, folks? With that being said, uh, I got uh, my popular demand here. Here's the midget. He has something for everyone here. We just read about uh, Mercury there and Jupiter. Those are two of the occult gods out of the mythology, representing Hermes, of course, was Mercury. I spent 30 years working in the belly of the beast. I started out with Goodyear Aerospace. It was a company that was infiltrated with these Operation Paperclip scientists, high-level initiates in the occult. Their uh, logo at Goodyear is the Wingfoot, which is Hermes, the god Hermes. Now, when I, Lockheed Martin took that company over, bought it uh, after another party. But anyway, every program that I worked out there, DARPA programs, all had occult names in these programs. They used to give us stickers and coffee cups and patches with, with all this artwork of all these programs. I remember one was called Spectre, which is a, a spirit. Then one was Isis. These scientists infiltrated NASA, Lockheed, Goodyear, Boeing, and it's all, it's all in, in their uh, logos. Lockheed Martin has the broken star. That's Satan's star. 
NASA has the, the tongue, the forked tongue, the serpent tongue. They brag about it. Look at all the programs that NASA had. The Apollo, the Gemini, every one of them is right out of the occult. This was high-level occultism right here in all these aerospace companies. And I can tell you, I lived it. It's a fact. We're going to wrap up this study by the sources. We're going to give you sources of information where you can go look this stuff up if you have any questions about it. So without any further delay, here's the secretary for the King James Bible Prophecy Church End Table. And here she's going to give you the, some of the sources that were used here in all this. Hit us there, young lady. Okay. First and most important of all, Holy Bible, translated by the order of King James I of England in 1611, the 400th anniversary edition, the article, The Translators to the Reader, and we read many of the Holy Scriptures therein. American Dictionary of the English Language, Noah Webster, 1828, facsimile 1st edition. Book of Enoch, R.H. Charles Translation, 1917, Defender Publishing, Copyright 2016. The Dead Sea Scrolls and the Bible, Charles F. Pfeiffer, Baker Book House, Copyright 1969. Evidence that demands a verdict, historical evidence for the Christian faith, Josh McDowell, copyright 1972. Illustrated Dictionary and Concordance of the Bible, the Jerusalem Publishing House Limited, copyright 1986. Erdman's Dictionary of the Bible, David Noel Friedman, editor, William H. Erdman Publishing Company, copyright 2000. Nephilim Stargate, the year 2012, and the return of the Watchers. Thomas R. Horn, Anomalous Publishing House, copyright 2007. Book of Jasher, referenced to in Joshua and 2 Samuel, Rough Draft Printing, copyright 2011. New Age Bible Versions by Gail Ripplinger. The website Britannica.com forward slash topic forward slash slash Library of Alexandria. Perfection or Perversion of the Holy Bible by Gail Ripplinger. Overview of Various Bible Versions by Gail Ripplinger. And Why Use the King James Bible by Kent Hovind. Thank you. Phone land people, do you have anything here before I sign off? Okay. We appreciate it. It's been a good study, and I'm going to announce that our next topic for next Sunday is the Bible on marriage, the history of it, and divorce. What did Christ teach about it? What's in the law of Moses? We're going to go into all that. It'll be interesting. So there's going to be a lot of uh, skipping around in the Bible, so prepare yourself for that. Anybody from Poland? Okay, so here we are from Manchester, Ohio, from the midget Harriet 
Bo, Benzie, and myself. May the Holy Ghost would go with every one of us. Bye-bye.